Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys part two of the Ariel Castro story. So grab yourself some coffee and let's dive in. to Cleveland police there in Devon's piece. And nowadays, such calls are anticipated part of a major crime story. Amanda Perry's is truly incredible. Here's more of this extended 911 call. Take a listen. You need police, fire, or ambulance? I need police. Okay, and what's going on there? I've been kidnapped, and I've been missing for 10 years, and I'm, I'm here. I'm free now. Okay, and what's your address? Uh, 2207 Seymour Avenue. 2207 Seymour. It looks like you're calling me from 2210. Okay, stay there with those neighbors. Talk to the police when they get there. Okay. Uh, Hello? Yeah, talk to the police when they get there. Okay, all right. Now I will allow you to discuss your thoughts in regards to the 911 call that we just heard again. It's insane listening to it and hearing like the terror kind of in her voice and like the urgency in her voice. Like I I physically felt it like in my heart and my chest. And, you know, especially knowing the story previously kind of gave it a little bit more. And I like like that, you know, we cover a lot of cases on here, but that one like really hit me. Yeah, I mean, you're not only listening to somebody who has been kidnapped and held captive for 10 plus years, but you're listening to a mother who is trying to protect her daughter. And I think hearing, like, you definitely hear both of that in her voice. It definitely seems very real listening to it. Like, it just sounds so terrible. And I'm sure she's feeling some type of, like, motherly figure to Gina as well possibly i don't know how much the girls had communicated enough to know each other's ages or anything or if they'd really even seen each other but i'm sure she was you know she was also fighting for these other two girls that were in there i want to talk for a second about the dispatcher there's actually been a lot of backlash that she received from this call because she keeps saying the police will talk to you when they get there like talk to the police when you get there or and at one point she said we'll have a car come to you when they're available Oh, I missed the available part. Like, does she not understand the urgency of this situation? Amanda is saying this man left. Like, you need to hurry before they get here. And then it's... And she literally says, my name's Amanda Berry. I've been in the news. Exactly. I've been on the news for 10 years and missing. And this dispatcher is just like, okay, cool. We'll send a cop when we have a chance. It's insane. I, the dispatchers piss me off a lot in these stories. I don't know that I've ever enjoyed any of the dispatchers we've ever listened to, which I'm assuming is why their calls are so prominent, the ones that we can find. Right, right. But still, and then it sounds like, I mean, when you call 911, so I've had to call 911 before in the past, and they always say, stay with me on the phone until the police get there. 
Mm-hmm. They didn't do this here. No, she's like, talk to the police when they get there. And like, it's like almost her lunch break and she needs to go. So like, yeah, yeah. you called me. It's my shift's over. I got to go. Like, they'll talk to the police when they get there. Like, it's so like she's brushing it off and it pisses me off. <laughs> what is this like ongoing theme in this story where people who are in authority or dispatchers or what have you are not really taking the steps they're supposed to be taken. I have no idea what was going through the heads of any of the people involved in this situation, but obviously their first priority was not the safety of these individuals. Oh yeah, it's definitely a misjustice to the girls and their families. Absolutely. So like I said, now the 911 calls happened, police arrived, they take the girls to the hospital. So at the time of their escape, Amanda was 27 years old, Gina was 23, Michelle was 32, and Jocelyn was six. Just like to reiterate, you know, how many years in captivity was that for them? For Michelle, it was about 11. For Amanda, it was about 10. And for Gina, it was about nine years in captivity. That is, that's crazy. That's so long to be going through that sort of abuse. At the hospital, they're obviously checked out. They discovered that the girls have really weak eyesight because they'd lived you know, these almost 10 years, around 10 years in the dark. They had a lot of physical injuries, a lot of bruising, and a ton of psychological and trust issues, which, I mean, can anybody blame them? Nope. I can't even imagine. They were not at the hospital for very long. So they arrive on May 6th and Amanda and Gina are released the following day on May 7th, whereas Michelle wasn't released until May 10th, but none of them were in there for a super long period of time. Ariel Castro was arrested on May 6th, 2013, and charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape. At this time, two of his brothers were also brought in for questioning because they thought maybe he had like an accomplice, somebody helping him, but they were released on May 9th they discovered that they didn't really have anything to do with it. They did do a DNA test just to confirm that Ariel was the father of Amanda's daughter, and the results did show that, although I'm not sure who would have been the father if it wasn't for Ariel. Yeah, that probably just helped solidify that maybe that there wasn't someone else involved in that part of it, at least. That makes sense, yeah. Michelle did tell investigators that she had been pregnant at least five times during the 10 years that she'd been there but every time that she found out she was pregnant ariel would starve her and punch her in the stomach causing her to miscarry it's so bad like look i am always a little wishy-washy on the death penalty but screw this guy like oh i've got more reasons for you to love him hmm. actually let me rephrase that not even the death penalty. This is when I'm like, maybe we should have some harsher punishments somehow. Yeah, like torture. Chaining him in a basement in a dark room for a bunch of years and repeatedly punching him in the stomach and the balls. Sounds beautiful to me. Can we start that? Will you guys fund that? Yes. Will our listeners fund that, please? My mom always says she hopes there's a special place for people who abuse animals where they just have to repeatedly be attacked by Dementors from (laughs) Harry Potter. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here for that. (laughs) That would work for me. Or people that abuse animals, there's a special place where animals are abusing them. Like, just (laughs) twist it. (laughs) On June 7th, a grand jury indicts Ariel on 329 counts. There we go. There's the number you wanted. 
Yep. So there are 139 counts of rape, 177 counts of kidnapping, seven counts of gross sexual imposition, three counts of felonious assault, two counts of aggravated murder for the miscarriages, and one count of possession of criminal tools. Good. Stack them up. Yes. And on July 3rd, he's deemed mentally competent to stand trial. And the first thing Ariel does is say, I am not guilty. Sure, because there's definitely some question in there, I say sarcastically. Like, I, it makes my brain hurt. I think it's just, it's part of the process. I'm sure his lawyers were like, you have to say it this way, so maybe we can try to get a lesser sentence. But like, come on, at this point... Yeah, so if he says he's not guilty, then they will go into a full-blown trial where there is a slight chance that they could find him not guilty or guilty. But it also, if he pleads guilty, then there's never a chance of the sentence being changed. Whereas if he pleads not guilty, he can file appeals in the future. Right. So I'm assuming that that was kind of what was going through his head. I am going to play a little clip for you guys from him talking during trial. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. I'm not a monster. I'm a normal person. I am just sick. I have an addiction. Just like an alcoholic has an addiction. Most of the sex that went on in the house, and probably all of it, was consensual. This, this, these allegations about being forceful on them, that is totally wrong. Because there was times that they would even ask me for sex. Many times. I'm going to translate that for you guys because it's really hard to understand. I had to listen to it a couple times to really tell because there's not captions. So he says... In the beginning, I am a normal person. I am just sick. I have an addiction like an alcoholic has an addiction. He then says that most of the sex that went on in that house was consensual and that there were days where the girls would ask to have sex with him. No (laughs) to all of that. No to all of it for so many reasons. First off, no, it's no, you don't know, but also if you kidnap somebody, you're it's not consensual sex, period. Ever, no doubt about it. Thank you. For sure. I like I I don't know. I agree with you when you just said no. 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 Yeah. Even if in some weird like scenario where the girls like maybe potentially said they wanted it, either A, you can assume it's because of the situation and they're trying to like appease somehow and save themselves or b um it's like some type of they're they're obviously being mentally abused and it's not consensual because of the situation it's under irregardless of what words are coming out of their mouth and i don't believe that any of those words came out of their mouth anyway i'm assuming he is just a horrible person and making up lies as horrible people do i absolutely agree So in my conclusion, no. 
Yeah, and the reason I played that clip for you guys and didn't just like tell you what he said, because I know he's a little hard to understand, but I wanted you to actually hear how awful of a human he is. So supposedly during the time of like the trial and everything occurring, he had requested to see his daughter, quote unquote, multiple times. I don't know why, but he always was asking to see his daughter. The requests were always denied. He never saw his daughter again. And by daughter, you mean Jocelyn? Yes. I approve those denials. <laughs> I Yeah. Like, I. why would they ever let him see her? I'm so glad that this is one time where, you know what, what they did in this situation in the courts and the criminal justice system, I approve of. Every other time we're in this cool, case. cool with this one. Yeah. Every other time in this case, no. So, during trial, Michelle is the only one to show up to trial. The other girls don't want to go. And I don't blame them. Understandably. Yeah, I would not have gone. So Michelle gets up and she reads a statement. And I could find clips of her reading it, but it was just like short pieces. But I actually have the whole statement, so I'm just going to read it for you. So she said, quote, good afternoon. My name is Michelle Knight, and I would like to tell you what 11 years was like for me. I missed my son every day. I wondered if I was ever going to see him again. He was only two and a half years old when I was taken. Days turned into nights. Nights turned into days. The years turned into eternity. I spent 11 years in hell, and now your hell is just beginning. I will overcome all this that happened, but you will face hell for eternity. From this moment on, I will not let you define me or affect who I am. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. End quote. Hell yeah. That actually like brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> I know. Like it made me want to cry both times. I Like every time I've read it. Man, this is a sad, sad story. But I, I love that she is like taking control of the situation. And I like so much applaud her for that i can't even imagine the amount of strength that it took for her to actually stand forward and face him in trial and be like this is what this man has done to me and now you it's in your hands what happens to him after this so i applaud her for being able to do that in august of 2013 so this was a quick trial they escaped on may 6th and august of 2013 he was sentenced to life in prison plus a thousand years and find a hundred thousand dollars obviously great that he's never going to be released love that i always go back and forth i know i mentioned earlier with the death penalty i want the worst possible punishment for this man so i don't know if that's the death penalty or having to spend the rest of his life in prison but i hope that he is miserable i am so sorry to be the one to break the news to you but on September 3rd, 2013, about a month after being sentenced to life in prison, he was found dead in his prison cell. He had hung himself by a bedsheet. Yep. Not surprised. I just hate that he was able to escape when these girls fought for so long for 10 years to be able to escape. And he can't even be locked up for a month. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. It's a sad way for that to go. They did take him to the hospital immediately after finding him. They tried to revive him on the way there, but once he arrived at the hospital, he was pronounced dead on arrival. There was some speculation that had surfaced around this time, as there always is, so they did investigate to see if his death was actually a suicide. They believed that it could have been autoerotic asphyxiation, which is basically a sexual act in which an individual achieves pleasure through choking themselves, ultimately causing them to lose consciousness. 
so there was a lot of discussion and controversy on whether or not he purposely killed himself or if this is kind of what had occurred but the person that the medical examiner who did the autopsy said quote i did the autopsy myself i saw the ligature i saw the picture of the cell it was absolutely a suicide she said too that she believes that he had been planning his death for a long period of time. I mean, that that was like his initial plan when he was sentenced to prison. By the time that he killed himself in prison, so this would have been three months after the girls had escaped from the house, his house was completely torn down. And to this day, it's just leveled out. I don't know if a new house has been built on there, but his house was gone. The basement was gone and it just had, it was sitting there empty. Abby, I'm going to ask you a question to see what your thoughts are. Why do we think Ariel did this? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Um, I'm guessing, you know, like a lot of serial killers and serial rapists that we see, he's got some type of, obviously there's something going on. He's got some type of effed up thing in his brain because there's a part that is not, you know, there's a part in your brain that's telling you right and wrong, right? He's clearly not experiencing this. I don't know if, I'm, a, I'm sure you're gonna tell me, I don't know if there's like a medical or clinical thing officially wrong with him and i am by no means saying this in a way to excuse his behavior that's not how i mean it i just mean he's a terrible person and he did it because he's a terrible person i do think there's ways when you have like weird urges and fetishes you know like there's ways to mitigate that and control that i don't know his past or childhood or whatever but i'm assuming prior to these attacks i would assume there was probably more victims we maybe don't know about And that's possible. I mean, still to this day, we don't know of any other victims other than these three girls plus Jocelyn. We actually do not have reasoning for why he did this. Because he killed himself so quickly into his sentence, there wasn't much able to be studied about him and the reason behind why. Like I said, when they had looked into him for the trial, they did decide that he was mentally competent enough to stand trial. But I don't know if there was any signs of psychopathic or sociopathic tendencies. Part of me wonders if maybe because his wife had left him, if that had caused some additional stress on him. It Maybe like a trigger? Yeah, it was about six years after that incident had occurred. But it, I don't know if he like tried to fight it for a while and then he just like fell into it. Or like you said, maybe there were more victims that we don't know about. Right. You don't typically see... Um a crime of this multitude without the assumption or knowing that something else prior happened and maybe something happened to someone and she didn't come forward for reasons that are absolutely valid on her own or maybe he was you know wearing a mask or was unidentified so far it sounds like he's not really a murderer murderer depending on how you look at that context but I, I mean, I just think it's safe to assume that he's probably assaulted other girls. Clearly, his age was would go low as well because one of his victims was 14. So yeah, I, maybe he assaulted someone who was underage. 
that were still affected but not didn't come forward for x y or z for sure i think that that's always a question that we'll have i don't know that we'll ever really know for sure unless somebody does come forward which too if there is somebody who has been affected by him this story is kind of like it's almost like it's closed so maybe they wouldn't want to open that up again yeah i could see that i i wonder if for them in, like you said it's closed for them they're like okay he's dead mm-hmm. it's done it's over with he's not gonna hurt anyone else yeah let me move on past this and not re-dig it up because it's it's it would have, it would be a process it would be a whole thing you know it's gonna involve revisiting these horrible memories so i can understand if if somebody didn't want to so the girls have done their best to stay out of the media michelle has definitely been the one to be the most upfront and forward about everything she was the oldest she was the first that he kidnapped amanda in an interview after she was rescued said that she plans to just help people someday that's all she wants to do she wants to just give back when she was released she was asked if there was you know anything that she needed or if there was something that she wanted to kind of help her get through it i guess like her lawyers were asking her this and She said that there were just two things in her life that she wanted, and that was a headstone for her mother. When she had passed, there was not funding to or for a headstone, so Amanda was able to get the headstone. And the other thing that she requested was a birth certificate for her daughter. It shows how much she, I think to to me, it shows how much she was ready to move on from this. I mean, after being in captivity for 10 years, I'm assuming you do just want to move on from it. I think that the only way to continue functioning in life would be to put it behind you. When Gina was interviewed, she said that she wants to do the same thing. She wants to help people. She wants to make a change in the world. And they're just not going to let what happened to them kind of hold them back. Michelle actually wrote a book about her story called Finding Me. And it talks about everything that she went through while she was there. She doesn't ever refer to Ariel by name. She says that he does not deserve that power and that gives him too much credit. So in the book, she either refers to him as he or the dude. And I think he she pretty much does that just so she's really taking the power away from him. Good. I agree. I'm with that. I, I agree with that. I like that. Yeah. She has since legally changed her name to Lily Rose Lee. So, Abby, do you have anything else? Any final thoughts on this? Uh, The only thing I would like to say is um, power to the girls for, you know, making it out and overcoming it. And I I really do hope for the best for them. So I'm going to end this episode with a quote from Michelle where she tells us about why she wrote the book Finding Me. She said, quote, I wanted everyone to understand that when you go through hard times, you can actually make it through. You don't have to let the darkness swallow you. End quote. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also join our Patreon family, where you can get early access to our episodes and exclusive content such as our new Monday minis and a bonus monthly episode for as little as a cup of coffee a month. 
Donations to our podcast are always greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. If interested, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you have case suggestions, feel free to reach out through any of our platforms or email at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.